the Creative Block. We're your hosts, Gene. And V. We interview people in the animation industry about their life, work, and hobbies while we doodle jam. We ask people on Twitter if they have specific topics they want us to discuss, as well as some drawing prompts. And today with us, we have Nikki Lopez. Hey. Hi. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi, How's it going? It's going good. How are yeah. you two doing? We're doing well. Even though uh, this episode will probably uh, come out long after Halloween, this is our, <laughs> this is our Halloween <laughs> special. Because I am so are... honored. I actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, maybe we'll push it. Maybe we'll, yeah, maybe we'll uh, push it uh, closer to Halloween because oh. you are the most Halloween-y person that I... I One would not we... think, but yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, exactly. It's like, but I, but I know. It. <laughs> I know. I know you. I know you're all about the the ghosts and the spookums and the, the hauntings. They're my friends. Um, <laughs> they, that's you know, it's up for debate. Um, and, <laughs> but I think that uh, other than that, you're also a showrunner uh, and many other things. Uh, so tell us who you are and what you do. Well, uh, I'm, my name is Nikki <laughs> and, uh, I am, uh, currently the, the creator and showrunner of Santiago of the Seas on Nick Jr. Uh, and, uh, hopefully more things to come. <laughs> there's yeah. some, there's some things that are cooking in, in my cauldron. So, um, Awesome. yeah hope to talk about that more um and, and yeah i'm i'm originally from from puerto rico born and raised and, and i've been here mm -hmm. in los angeles since i started my animation career which was like i don't know like about 11 years ago and yeah i started at nick and i'm still at nick <laughs> <laughs> what is really great about your career nice. also is that, like you have you started as a color stylist right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's mm -hmm. really, really awesome and like inspiring because most of the time we hear like showrunners that were like either writers or like board artists. So I think like yeah. this is like such an interesting journey for us to like get acquainted with. But before we get to mm -hmm. where you are right now, I want to know kind of like what was your what was kind of like your relationship to art like growing up? Kind of what kind of what were were you always kind of like drawing or was it, when was the time when you realized like, maybe I can do something with. For art? sure. Um, I definitely uh, was a child that had a lot of issues focusing on stuff. My, my attention span mm -hmm. was incredibly short. Mm -hmm. um, and yet it was always drawing. It was that, that, that hobby that I could always go to and, and my focus would always be at 120%. Um, and, and a lot of times, you know, if I was watching a movie, an animated film or, uh, or a TV show, my imagination was kind of on, on hyperdrive. So I wanted to continue the story that I had just watched by, by drawing it myself. I didn't know it at the time when I was technically right. storyboarding. Uh, oh. A five-year-old, six-year-old yeah. uh, storyboarding. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it was it was just my my favorite thing to do. My parents tried so hard to get me to 
do sports or join the Girl Scouts. And I was like, nope. <laughs> this does not deserve all those it lucrative not, things. It did not deserve my attention. So uh, so drawing always uh, won my heart and it became my sanctuary growing up. Oh, that's like so sweet. Did yeah. you have like, um, did you, how was That's, school like for you in like Puerto Rico? Did you have like uh, drawing classes or um, how was kind of like cultivating art for you at the time? Um, in, in school, it, it wasn't exactly the best. Oh gosh, I wish I knew how to translate it in English. We had this thing called Grecas. Um, and what they would do was give us mm -hmm. like this uh, squared, uh, it was like a sheet of paper and it had the, the whole grid system on it and they would tell you like here's the design you have to draw today so you'd have to fill this little blocks to make the that was it that was like the art class um at hmm. school it, it was uh very unfulfilling um so <laughs> um so my mom hmm. um found this incredible art teacher um who after school I would I would always go and and you know take art classes to kind of kind of foster um that skill um and and her focus definitely was coloring and painting and all that jazz so uh I didn't know it at the time but that definitely helped a lot uh when 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 I eventually became a color designer um so yeah that's really cool do you um when kind of how was the discussion with like your family and kind of like picking a college and and to go into art i guess um so my my dad he works in construction and he figured oh she she's keen on drawing then she can be an architect uh, <laughs> and that that definitely mm -hmm. wasn't uh, right. something that piqued my interest too much so um there were a couple of of CG movies coming out and Pixar was so so hu huge uh, back then in particular that uh, that I think when I told my parents like no I want to get into the into the animation industry and they were quite fond of Pixar movies they were like oh yeah totally you know go go ahead mm -hmm. we support it so um so so it, it didn't take a, a lot of convincing i guess <laughs> oh, <laughs> they nice. they've been they've been yeah they've yeah. been pretty pretty swell in that respect so that's good um so yeah so i i had the blessing from my parents to pursue an education specifically in computer animation um but um but I didn't last in computer animation okay. too long, <laughs> mainly because I, I grew so enamored by, by, by the previous side of things, by storyboarding and character design, um, that I wanted to improve my skills um, as, as an illustrator to potentially do that after, after graduating. Um, I, I, I truly hated Maya, learning Maya. <laughs> I, I feel too dumb for Maya, to be honest. And I, I respect yeah. so much anybody that crushes it. Oh, it's it, like it, calculus. I this don't understand wasn't, it. It wasn't for me. Um, so so I went down the, the illustration path. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah. That is, that is so, so great. Was it, was it a school in Puerto Rico? No, I actually went to Ringling College of 
well, back then it was Ringling School of Art and Design. It's now Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida, which was, um, you know, it had a very uh, good reputation specifically mm -hmm. for their computer animation program. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I ended up uh, going there. How'd you like it there? Uh <laughs> I, think I, uh, I mean, I will be forever grateful for having the opportunity to meet my best friend there. Um, but did I thoroughly enjoy my time at Ringling? I, I did not. Right. I didn't have the most um, supportive instructors. Mm. Um, yeah yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't my favorite experience um and i know yeah. i know i shouldn't say look if i could do it over again i'll go as elsewhere because i feel like every every decision that i've done in my life life has led me to where i am today um but if anything i i certainly took away um you know yeah, knowing yeah. what's what's the best way to mentor people and what not to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's still valuable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Having having gone through it yourself, you you have a better idea of what not to do. Yeah. Yeah. Some professors there uh, had an interesting way of critiquing. Um, I <laughs> fun story. Um, I I had. Uh, you know, done this assignment and we, everybody pinned it up. And this one particular professor, which had quite the reputation for uh, being very theatrical in his <laughs> critiques, he, okay. yes, <laughs> um, he ripped uh, my, my assignment from the wall, turned it into a paper airplane and just launched it into, into um, the trash can. Jeez. So, I mean, it takes a lot to to trigger me. <laughs> I feel like I have a very uh, turn shit into flowers mentality. So I basically just said that like, eh, it's fine. Um, but but yeah, he was he was an interesting dude. <laughs> what the fuck is yeah. that? That's that's a very insecure yes. person. Yes. Also, like they're probably like, finally, they have this like, class which is basically like an audience and they're like this is my show now i run this class yeah it's kind of yep. it's kind of sad because it's like yeah well the good thing is that you were able to not pay that much mind to it and still go on to be like very successful um it's just kind of sad to see like teachers like that it's like really easy to break like young artists like spirits yeah yeah i think that there's just a lot of instructors that are since <laughs> i shouldn't say a lot but there's certainly instructors out there that uh have a lazy approach to teaching so they zero in on those students that come through already talented the package yeah. is already there and so they don't they don't have a remote interest in investing their time to oh, yeah. other yeah. students who paid Buko amount of money to get an education like mm -hmm, no i just mm -hmm. i'm just gonna focus on these individuals who are already uber talented and have <laughs> um you know their skills where i you know i'd like them to be and and that's that then i can take credit saying like i was their makes, professor yeah. So. yeah yeah i was gonna say it makes them feel good yep. that's that's what all they really want yeah that's a bummer i think that happens a lot 
and um, it's unfortunate. We haven't really heard anyone talk about that kind of experience specifically, but I would not be surprised it's if it's very common. So super common. common. How would you say how you you talked about like you have a very optimistic personality? Do you feel like you you had you have any like insights or like things that you do to kind of help you overcome kind of like these type of difficulties? Like you know because it's like you're you're like in a in a moment of like hardship, I guess you know like. I'm, and how do you kind of like turn it around like and make mm. a good experience out of it oh my gosh back then um i don't know i i don't know if it has to do a little bit with my upbringing i feel like mm -hmm. in in puerto rico since we've uh, <laughs> gone through so much shit and often the island and its citizens get treated like second class oh, yeah. citizens mm -hmm. there's always like the demeanor of like well, that sucks. How are we gonna move ahead? You know, like uh, I, I feel like Hurricane Maria such a, was was an example of like the community had to take care of matters themselves because the government's response was mm -hmm. just so slow. So there's there's just this. There seems to be a broad mentality Definitely. on the island of like uh, can't can't uh, be weepy in a corner gotta gotta keep moving gotta, gotta make get shit done yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean at least that was my my own personal experience and definitely uh definitely trying to find mm -hmm. the best of things um or just have a good laugh about it when we don't know how to cope <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> i don't know if that's healthy <laughs> But uh, I think it's good. But yeah. I think that's like really important because like that's the skill that you had to use through school. But I think that's also the skill that you needed later also in your professional career. Oh, man. Like, you know? But I definitely <laughs> had my weak moments throughout, you know, with show running yeah. and all that kind of stuff. I <laughs> yeah, but you can't. Yeah, you're here. This is true. This is true. I, I am not. A <laughs> <laughs> um, and so how would you kind of say you found your you got your foot in the door of the industry how how kind of was that process for you from college to to that to lending your first kind of like internship or like sure. uh, i mean yeah. it i'll be honest it it took a minute one because i graduated uh during mm -hmm. the recession 2008 um so so when i graduated i was like well i got no job i'm headed back to puerto rico and in Puerto Rico, I actually mm -hmm. acquired a, a position as a graphic designer in, in an advertising agency. Um, and I was just delighted because I thought, oh, people think that I have a level of skill that is worth <laughs> employing, you know? Because <laughs> I definitely was feeling like, oh my God, those four years that I was in college, what did I do? <laughs> I have, I come, I'm coming out of it empty handed. But, um, but no, I, I got hired in this advertising agency, which, which was great. I mean, I definitely got to learn a lot about pitching. Um, and I certainly uh, had this, this mentality embedded into my mind of, you do something and and you then let go of it rather quickly because it's just the you know the the process of uh, process of advertising and going through clients that need their their material really fast and then you have to move on to the next one it's just such a uh, a quick pipeline that mm -hmm. it, it becomes a little bit easier to let go of stuff um right as fond as i could have been of certain 
work that I did. Um, it, it was an intense uh, gig for sure. I was doing it for about six months just because most of the time, most of the days, um, I was staying there till very late, like three in the morning, two in the morning, trying wow. to get that pitch done. And um, <laughs> we were not paid overtime. Oh, that's good. So... That's good. <laughs> that bank. Yeah, nice. <laughs> No, we were we were not. We were not. Oh, you were not. Oh, I thought you said I you were. were. No. Oh, no. Sorry, I need to enunciate. That's the opposite. <laughs> That's really bad. No, it was. Yeah, it was pretty pretty oh, abusive in that. that sense. But yeah. Uh. So yeah. So I I I left that world part partially. I still freelanced a little oh. bit. Um. I was freelancing doing that. Um. I freelanced doing inking and coloring. Um for certain comics and um and after a while of chasing checks i <laughs> got very tired uh and i found out that there was this animation convention called ctn expo i think it was their first year mm -hmm. um and i thought oh my god this is this is it this is my opportunity to finally meet with a recruiter and find out ways that I could uh, form a part of the industry. So, so yeah. So I, I used my savings and I flew to Burbank and uh, and met with a couple of recruiters. The one that resonated with me the most was definitely the recruiter from Nickelodeon. Um, it triggered that feeling in me of like, oh, I remember why I was so obsessed with Nickelodeon growing up. It, it she just felt so approachable and so silly and it had just like that Nickelodeon energy you know without the slime <laughs> um and 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 that just Both became... metaphorically and real, I guess. <laughs> yes <laughs> I remember I worked so hard on that on that resume I had asked her too like what's the best way to get into the studio if if I've never had an animation uh if I've never had uh experience in the animation industry before and uh, she spoke so highly about the internship and that just became the mission. I wanted to be accepted into its, its Nick turnship, pro Nick turnship program. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I tried two times. First one obviously did not make it in. And then, um, after that, I kind of, since I had met her, I, I asked for advice um like what what would you have like to see blah 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 since she had already met me in person um and I integrated uh that advice into my next shot um at applying and and I was accepted um I <laughs> I definitely definitely played what a feeling <laughs> on loop from <laughs> um <laughs> Oh God, I just couldn't believe it. Cause I was like, this is it. My dreams are coming true. What a feeling. <laughs> um, and, and, and yeah, and I, I, I started at Nickelodeon. Um, it was summer 2010. I, I just lived for it. Like every single day I, I had this, this whole, uh, approach of like, I have to prove to them that, that, that I, I don't know. I I'm crucial to the company, and they should never let me go. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so, the, what concerned me though was that at the time, like Nickelodeon had 
all these DreamWorks properties like Kung Fu Panda, Legends of Awesomeness, and Penguins of Madagascar. And they didn't have their new building set up. So we were in, in a separate building. It was called the penthouse. And I thought, holy shit, I'm in trouble because I'm not going to get to network as easily as right. all the other interns. But this is where uh, word of mouth comes to play. If you fucking kick ass with, with your production and you're always there for them, Um, that word of mouth is going to spread. And my line producer and production manager, my production manager, who she's still a mentor to me, I love her so much, Joanna Soesta. Mm -hmm. Uh, Without her, I I love her. I just, I I owe being in the industry to her because she, she saw my resume. She's like, oh, this person is from Puerto Rico. We've never received a resume from somebody from Puerto Rico. I bet you she has a very huh. interesting perspective to offer to this team. So, um, mm. so yeah, uh, women of color looking out for each other. I love yeah, that. So <laughs> I love that. This is so great. It's yeah. also great to know that it's like, it doesn't just come from the artistic side. Like you also mm-hmm. have to value the production side, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Yeah, we're nothing without production. Exactly. Um, I, I say that all the time. Um, absolutely nothing. They're they're the glue that holds us together. So I value I value mm-hmm. production so much. Having been through production, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I respect it. Um, so so yeah. So uh, word of mouth is a powerful thing, and I guess I was lucky in timing in the sense that there was somebody from the production team on the production that that uh, that I was at. Um, that was uh, leaving the company. So a PA position opened up and, and they hired me uh, there. Now I knew I wanted to be an artist, but because I was exposed to such brilliant and inspiring designers, I was like, I am not there yet. <laughs> um, and, you know, I definitely saw production as, as a school uh, to, to learn um, how the industry works. Uh, how to better communicate, how to have a better gauge too of like, what what exactly do I want to do? Um, I see the storyboard artists and their work is unbelievably good. And I wonder like, oh, can I do that? And then I saw the designers doing spectacular work as well. So uh, it, it definitely gave me some time to really figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and two years later, I, I was at an interesting co- crossroads because um, Fairly Odd Parents was coming out of a, a hiatus. So they were looking for an entirely new team. Most of the original staff was working on Tough Puppy. So they were looking for uh, prop designers and cleanup artists and color designers. And I tried for everything. <laughs> I was like, to lose we'll see whatever sticks i guess the one the one test that i did not think i did well at all on which was color designing that was the one that they were like oh this is really good we want you to join the team but i should mention that Hmm. prior to testing joanne had uh, asked me if i wanted to be promoted to a production coordinator but i had to accept it then and there and i was like but i have an opportunity to to, to try out for a designer position I really want to want to know if that's what I should be doing um and I had loved what I what I had uh, I had done with with production but um I guess follow your gut instinct 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I did that. I took a, a leap of faith and, and I was working um, on Fairly Odd Parents for a bit. I think it was all throughout season nine. Um, and then when it was coming to an end, that's when um, Joanne, re- and again, this is why it's so important to, to take care of those uh, relationships that you form in the industry. Joanne was now becoming the, the line producer on Harvey Beaks, and they were looking for, for staff. Um, and, and she asked me if I wanted to become, uh, to, be, to roll off as a color designer uh, onto Harvey. So I said, absolutely. Um, and, and Harvey was just such a fantastic place to, to be cre- uh, creatively fruitful. I, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but no yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> makes a lot of sense um, yeah, yeah, yeah. and carl just carl was so cool i i absolutely loved him as a showrunner because he talking about ch Greenblatt, just for people yeah yeah, yeah yes mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you gene um he he was the kind of individual that truly valued um each artist's perspective he was like well what how do you feel about this you think that looks it? Okay, I'm I'm good with it. Like he yeah. just trusts the artist so genuinely. So um, I felt I felt um, really happy on Harvey Beaks. Um, it's such a great show, and I was so happy that I actually felt like I had time to to work on my stuff. Like I didn't feel too overwhelmed with with the amount of work that I was like, oh, I'm I've got time to work on pictures and and you know. I did just that do you feel like um so you mentioned you were working in advertisement before and Mm -hmm. that you learned a lot of stuff about pitching what would you say and it's actually really interesting too because we've had uh Pedro Eboli and Carl who both like went to who both like worked in advertisement before and they also Mm -hmm. said the same thing and I was going to ask you what was your your takeaways from advertising that you're using for pitching uh, presentation is everything. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yes. When we were when we were pitching to to clients in, in this a- advertising agency, it was all about um, packaging that experience. How how can how can we sell the like they they're part of this this world this experience. So I kind of took that into into my pitches. Um, I certainly did that with with Santi uh, when I was working on on the um on the pitch bible i meticulously treated the layout like it was this old pirate treasure map um and i had written the like its calligraphy felt almost like that um old (laughs) inky kind of quality it just had this this whole aesthetic Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. you found it in a treasure chest and more often than not i think execs just get pitches that they've got like you know images here and there and it's all on a white piece of paper and it just doesn't feel as precious but if you give them something that you can tell it it was you you just you created a world and that world you can just by giving it a glance it catches your eyes they're gonna invest more time in that. So it's about finding all those little tricks to lure them <laughs> into nice. into your your world. That's really great. That's a great that's great to know. Yeah. 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 I think that like 
I mean, we've probably mentioned it here and there, but like the more you can put of yourself and also like the the spirit mm-hmm. of your idea into the presentation, like that'll go so far. Yeah. Because yeah, like there's the executives are so sick of seeing just the same like white and eight and a half by eleven sheets of paper. Yeah. Like you said. Exactly. Um. So that's really good to know. I know. I mean, I we were uh, chatting a lot when you were pitching, and I remember like how hard you were. <laughs> yeah. Like, like you were, cause in, that wasn't, you know, there was ideas before yeah. that too. Yes. They're all in my, uh, graveyard. <laughs> right. How oh, are they in you your s- graveyard? How many of them did you pitch? Like how yeah. many? Oh gosh. Yeah. I want to say about, uh, four, four or five yeah. of them that, that. That's a lot. Are no longer here. Well, they're, they're kind of there. I feel like there were. I was going to say like, would you want to bring them back ever? I feel that there is about two of them that I might be able to to resurrect, especially now that, you know, I've quote unquote proven myself as a right. creator and showrunner. Um, so, so yeah, uh, to be decided. Actually, <laughs> if that's you, really, yeah. yeah, that's really good to hear because I've heard on a talk, I think it was a talk that Gendy gave at Sony when he was talking about Primal, that it was like an idea he had like, for a very, very, very long time, but he had to wait until he had like proved himself with like many shows before he before people would take a chance on Primal because it was such like a like a different oh, idea. Yeah. So it's kind of like so that would make sense. Like if like obviously like some previous ideas like if they're not in the zeitgeist, like just kind of like keeping them in a jar somewhere. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, nothing nothing goes to waste here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. Um let's I would love to dig mm-hmm. into that uh the development process of Nick Jr. a little bit. Um, cuz I think I think you're our first well, you're definitely our first showrunner that has a show that's a junior show. Um but uh, we haven't really gone into that world, and it's a big yeah. world. Mm-hmm. Like it's, you know, we we tend to only talk about the like six mm-hmm. to eleven animated stuff. But um, man, there's a lot of money in junior. <laughs> and uh, but the pro, I I know from you know knowing you and uh, and others as well, like the process is, is of development is brutal, maybe worse. Yes, way. yes, it's. Um, I mean, so, so yeah, let's unpack that. Um. Gosh, where to where to even start? Um, well, so let's start with you know um, how based on what you know about pitching six to eleven. How is pitching junior yeah, different for, than that? I mean, you you definitely have consultants and and the execs very involved every step of the way. For me, in particular, because I have had no previous pre K experience. Um, right. They right. they were. They were there. They were definitely present. Um, and they mm-hmm. certainly brought forward um, after after the the show was taken, after the pitch Bible was taken into development, I think it was like there was a period of time where they were bringing forward like um, a selection of writers like, oh, this writer has had experience um working in preschool we think it would be a good match etc cetera, etc cetera. so um so eventually once we found the writers that would you know collaborate best with me um we kind of went into our own little bubble and focus on producing the 
the show bible and the pilot script and all that jazz Mm -hmm. yeah from what i've kind of learned about it it's uh from the jump way more collaborative and like cooks a lot of cooks in the kitchen um yeah and it's one of oh go ahead sorry no no no, go ahead go ahead it is it is one of those situations where stay true to your vision but you're gonna have to compromise a lot of things because i mean disney jr has its brand nick Nick jr has Mm -hmm. its brand and i'm sure um what's the cartoon that we want cartoon sita cartoonita cartoonita um cartoonita Mm -hmm. is defined yeah they're defining their brand so they are going to make sure that everything is checked off so it feels like this is a nick jr property and it has that little glimmer. The characters have that little glimmer in their eyes that most Nick Jr. characters have. You know that yes, that's do. that's mm. the kind of thing that are they're they're looking at. You know, when you say um, little glimmer, you're this... actually talking about design, or you're talking design. About more... Yep. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so even the design has a specific brand. I thought you were talking. Oh more yeah. Like conceptually, but that's a really interesting thing to point out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah. like, um, yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah. Now, now I kind of, I kind of see it. I get with like, it's put like Paw Patrol and like Shimmer and mm-hmm. Shine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm sure that there was probably, if you have, if you might, you might have seen it, but I'm sure there's a document of like things they like to see in their junior shows. When you when you pitched the, the IP, did you pitch it as a preschool or did you pitch it as a bridge or like a six to eleven? Like I was wondering, I'm asking this question because mm-hmm. I was wondering if that was ever a question that came up. Like if they ever asked you, like, oh, do you think we could make this preschool kind of thing? Uh, always bridge. Um, and mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, before I started pitching, Nickelodeon was doing kind of like this roadshow of development to mm-hmm. to showcase the things that had uh, that were currently um, uh, being developed. And the presentation that most excited me was was the Nick Jr. one. I thought that the characters that they were showcasing, they were so unique and cool, colorful. Whereas the the big Nick ones, they didn't have that uh, same kind of impact. So so I made it my mission to get acquainted with with the development execs over at Nick Jr. and and I had an informational with them to kind of understand what they what they look for, uh, what play pattern is, um, and and yeah, that's that's sort of how that journey started um I they saw that uh, when I presented my pitches to them like I would take you know months to work on them and then by the time I pitched something that they had told me oh yeah we were trying to see something that uh leans towards robots etc etc you know they had already found their project so after a while um one particular executive who who I love dearly um, she's like my fairy godmother. <laughs> she she basically told me, let's just have a conversation. Let's let's talk about some ideas that you might have rather than you just going with one idea, taking a long time to develop it and then bringing it back to us. And she asked me like, oh, well, what, what were the things that that you really liked when you were when you were young and I you know was talking about how I was obsessed with pirates when I was little because Goonies was my favorite movie 
And um, and she was like, oh, OK, that's really interesting because they were also very interested in, in finding their pirate property for the longest time. Um, oh, and then I continued cool. that. Yeah, I continued going off that tangent, talking about Puerto Rico and how we historically there was this one um, figure that we had. Uh, he was known as El Pirata Cofresi. Um, and he was a pirate that would take from the Spanish and the British and he would give back to to his community. Gabo mm. Rojo. Kind of like a Robin Hood kind of Yeah, pirate. when yeah, I told her, yeah. you know, he's like a Robin, Robin Hood of Hood. the high seas, she was like, there's something there, run with it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I want you to come back with a pitch in in a month. So right. I, I used up all of my sick days and my uh, vacation days on Harvey and kind of went on this sabbatical back to Puerto Rico, back to Puerto Rico to kind of get, mm -hmm. dude, I, I went to the caves where supposedly Cofresi had buried his treasure. Um, I, I went to write in the streets of old San Juan, kind of oh. <laughs> formulating the magic of this world, what it would look like. And then I went to New Orleans to to put all the pieces together because they had a couple of pirate tours that I that I wanted to see if I could you know learn learn a little bit more about about the that golden age of piracy. Um, so so yeah so after that whole marathon, I remember it was 2016 right before Thanksgiving. I sent my pitch to to two executives, including the one that I had spoken to and her reply back, it didn't take like an hour. She's like, oh, this is really good. <laughs> um, and, and less than a month later, that's when they were like, oh, we want to develop this. Um, so yeah. Oh, that's super great. That's super awesome. I love that like you had this like long standing relationship awesome. that you were able to just kind of narrow into like what they were actually looking for at the time and then really use the momentum to just kind of like really push for it i think yeah yeah Th throughout my entire journey whether it was starting off in production and then as a de designer it's and then working with development and and creating a show it's it's all about these relationships about about really nurturing them and making sure you're in touch with these individuals yeah yeah for for sure oh my gosh that's so cool and so like so you you were talking about like how you kind of like got the idea, how you kind of like mm -hmm. uh, talked with them and everything. Uh, how much? How much of like what are the steps in development? Kind of like once you finally have the studio that's like they're interested in your idea, and now you kind of mm -hmm. start into development, right? Because like you you have like this pitch packet, but yeah. then you have to kind of like go from here to what the studio actually green lights, right? Yes, correct. So, you know, we start uh, fleshing out the characters a little bit more. We start putting all the pieces together in that show Bible, uh, the rules of the world, the characters, uh, what's the formula or what what is known as the play pattern for the show? What are the things mm -hmm. that when little kids are watching it and they finish the show, they're going, they're going to go back to their regular routine and they'll want to role play as that character. What are those Things like, for example, oh, Santiago has has his compass. So how does he communicate with his compass? It projects a hologram. And what are those key phrases that he says? Like, adventure awaits me, heart. You know what I mean? Like all these right. little things that are sticky mm -hmm. um, that preschoolers 
will watch and they'll mm -hmm. repeat it with their friends when they're playing. Um, those are the things that you're kind of trying to flush out through that process, um, all the while defining the look of the show. So we, you know, we've reached out to a couple of, of um, character designers and we started to do some art for, for the world itself, for key hero props like, like the ship. And what was interesting about Santiago, Santiago was in development for about a year and a half and it moved very quickly. Like no joke, we didn't even have the pilot animatic ready by the time they decided to green light it. Interesting. Yeah, wow. yeah. And th there's pros and cons to the situation because a massive con was, holy shit, we still have so much to figure out Right, uh, the, yeah. uh, you know, uh, for the show while it's in its first season, and that brought so many headaches. <gasps> yeah, I bet that must have been like really tough. Yeah, but um, you know, we had the character designs ready prior to Greenlight. We we were uh, doing the voice casting, and what was done uh, before the pilot animatic came into existence was like a like a storybook uh, version of that pilot script. And they have a consultant that sits with kids and reads the stories and they put, and it's really interesting because they put like a bunch of toys and puzzles around little kids to see if they're more interested in the story of Santiago or hmm. would they rather go play with that cart? Huh. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Wow. <laughs> so, I guess um, that's, that's a way to check. I don't know. That's... Yeah. Yeah. And throughout, all of the first season we would do uh, research where we would play our animatics to to a classroom of kids and they were they had all sorts of toys around them um and they we would measure oh this episode is successful because none of the kids decided to to play with toys or this episode in particular is really weak around this part because this is when a, a a certain number of kids decided to play with this puzzle. Um, it is nerve wracking. <laughs> I bet. I, you're oh you're in gosh. these meetings, right? Or in these? Uh, I was I was in a few of those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's got that's got to be so stressful. But but the cool it it was very stressful. But the cool thing about it is that I I finally understood so much about you know creating a show for for preschoolers and and almost like. Um, I don't know. I just have so much respect for for it now, and I, I'm very precious about our our audience. Um, that I want to make sure that what we uh, create for them is, you know, it, it it fuels their imagination. It gives them it gives them joy and and confidence. I think it's it's so cool that we get to create a show for kids where they feel so inspired by certain characters that they want to role play them without feeling self-conscious because sometimes that's the issue with six to twelve like oh i can't let my friends know that i'm watching this show because then they'll make fun of me you know what i mean like right like, yes so there's this purity mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. 100%, um, yeah 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 that's very true i remember yeah like um my nephew was like really really into paw patrol when he was like a little yeah. kid. it was like I was at Nickelodeon at the time and my sister was like, can you get some Paw Patrol swag while you're <laughs> I'm like, 
I don't know if I can while it's wrong. It was actually for her. It's... She wanted it. <laughs> it's really true. Like, yeah, it's that's really, really sweet to, yeah. to like see that. It's good yeah. that they included and... you in those meetings too, because I, I, I mean, and you know, it's it's up to the person if they want to subject themselves to that. But um, but that's not always. I I've I was never included in focus testing stuff, and they like didn't want me to be in it. Maybe that's really? for the best, but um, yeah, oh, it, I I think that it's nice to to get those responses. the The way that they explained it was, it's like they don't want the feedback. They don't want me to be affected by feedback that isn't actually relevant to them, mm -hmm. which is oh, I fair, see. because it's like I might hear something in the, from the kids or from the uh, whatever they call it, like the the curator, whatever the person who's um, managing, moderating the moderator. Um, I might hear something from them that I might imprint and be like, oh, I got to fix that. I got to yeah. address that. But but they might be like, that doesn't matter. That's not a real note. And so, like, I get it. But I think it's I think it's probably pretty helpful to see. And it sounds like it was helpful for you. Yeah. To, like, yeah. It, understand it. Yep. It, it gives you perspective. Um, and again, I yeah. had zero experience working uh, on preschool content. So it, it definitely grounded me in terms of like, mm -hmm. oh, this is our mission. Like this is. <laughs> this is who who we're working for <laughs> um and and it 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 was great too um when we were when we were focusing because we also do uh focus testing on on the parents and and get their two cents mm -hmm. so for the cultural specificity um it really helped gauge uh the things that were sticking to parents uh what was some of the biggest challenges in uh, producing a Nick Jr. show? Ooh, oh my goodness. Um, there were a lot. Uh, I yeah. definitely was consistently put in a position to prove myself. Sure. Especially this being my first show. Um, the, there were executives that I, I was working with who were veterans and um, we didn't meet uh, eye to eye multiple times and because they were veterans and they had a name for themselves, um, the leadership at the time, um, not at the current leadership at Nickelodeon, but the leadership at the time kind of like leaned more towards the directions of what this veterans would say, um, which was hugely problematic because it was my my show and it, the it was about, you know, fulfilling that that vision and that cultural specificity. Um, so I think being met with that kind of resistance definitely made me feel a lot of times like, am I meant for this? Is, is my, is my mm -hmm. voice worthy of, of being listened to? Yeah. Um, and yeah. you know, I, I definitely, I don't know. I just had to deal with, with, um, a lot of, uh, gaslighting, mansplaining. Oh um, I was in multiple situations, if not most of <laughs> a lot of episodes during season one, when they were going to be launched, when the brainstorming sessions were supposed to become, uh, you know, to start, um, I, I was not looped into mm -hmm. those meetings. So didn't help that the production was by coastal too. So, because my my writing team and I would log in through you know I guess I the whole work from home situation uh wasn't so jarring to me because I was already doing that with with you know the show early on during season one it was 
being bi-coastal. Sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, um, I feel very fortunate now with a with a second season. The culture on the show is a lot healthier. Um, it's truer to that bridge vision that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're taking some chances during season two. Um, definitely exploring more of Latino Caribbean lore. Um, make it showing that heroes uh have have a bounty of of vulnerabilities and they make errors too there's nothing i I mean it's so important to give kids heroes that they can relate to so they don't have this complex upon upon their lives like well i have to be absolutely perfect like a robot (laughs) and not feel sad like that's not healthy so um Mm -hmm. yeah so you know that's what we're trying to do this time around that's really that's really great when you when you were talking about um that you were um, i forget the word you used tested or like you had like um you had to prove yourself kind of what um you had to prove yourself under what kind of forms do you can you like elaborate on that would you say it's like on design would you say it's like on story would you say is it is it is it more like you were talking about like sometimes you were out of the loop with the emails and stuff um or sure 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 um so uh, i guess i could i can break it into departments and the and the side of design um i felt like i was pretty pretty trusted <laughs> for for all the okay. decisions mm-hmm. um just because the other execs that were there they weren't uh as visually savvy they didn't have really like the design background that i had so there was a level of trust but you know i remember when we had our our storyboard reviews you know i i took it upon myself to i i just never want to seem like i'm talking out of my ass <laughs> I would Mm -hmm. I would just study the craft with storyboarding and shot Mm -hmm. selection and this and that uh, just to make sure that I could be as educated as as possible when giving a note and not getting like on my artist uh, on my storyboard artist nerves plus I had um, an exec that was always like well give me the note give me the note what's the note I'm like okay I will give you the note and I would come prepare the following day for our reviews with my notes and then when I would get a note, I was questioned all the time, like, well, are you sure about this note that you just gave, like, right in front of the other people in the room? And I was like, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. God. That's really tough. Um, oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So exhausting. That was a fun one. <laughs> so, so little in, uh, incidents like that uh, uh, yeah. were, were moments where I was, like, kind of thrown into the thunderdome like well i'm a showrunner but i guess i'm not really respected as a showrunner so this is yeah this is this might be a loaded question but like how do you deal with that uh internally like where do you pull from to face that kind of stuff because i think that it, that would be a lot for people for, for some people that would be too much and they just wouldn't want to deal with it and i wouldn't blame them but I think mm-hmm. it takes a lot to, to push through. I uh, started collecting receipts because I figured mm. hmm, these would come in handy one day. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was. You mean like you mean like emails and not email, like emails receipts. and just <laughs> exactly exactly um, emails and just. I mean, it it will sound like almost journaling. Like on this day at this time no, yeah, in I, this I meeting. Mean this is what happened and just rather than be emotional about it be very factual Mm -hmm. that is 
so so that is such a smart because nobody I, I i and i i you know i'm grateful for for the individuals that were able to get me to where i am absolutely like i i, I don't i don't want to be poo-poo towards yeah. that but there there were certain attitudes that could have been could have been better and there were a lot of times where where I would voice my frustration to to these mentors that that were presented to me, and I was just not heard. I, it was almost shrugged off, like, "Oh, she's a millennial. Those millennials, they're they're always complaining. Oh, they're always so emotional about this and that." So, Jesus, Christ. the the healthy way that I could just. Uh, exercise the demons so to speak was just pausing mm -hmm. writing it down and 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 that was that was that you know and i mean I, and it's frustrating right because you want things to be right off the get-go but more often than not that wasn't the case and i i really at the time you know rather uh, um other than finding release personal release just writing things down i i put my energy into taking care of my crew. I didn't, I didn't want them to, to deal with any of that. So I was kind of like, hit me, but not that <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted sure. them to be as That's happy good. as they could. Um, well, you know, I, they're, they're investing leadership. their time on, on my show. So I, I want to show them that they're, they're valued. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, my, my, my crew mm -hmm. and protecting them became my priority. And if, if, for example, if I wasn't, uh, being appreciated when I was giving, say, for example, notes on the writing side of things, then I was going to exude all, all the passion in the world and all the dedication to the visual side of things. I was going to make sure that given the budget and in the realm of preschool, I would make the show look as best as, as possible, you know, as, 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 mm. as something that I would have wanted to see when I was little. I see. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I really like that bit of advice. I think that, um, I would have never thought to do that. I mean, I, I definitely keep emails and I would definitely go back to certain things occasionally, but I think especially if you're a woman or a POC, I think if you're going to get into development, you probably mm -hmm. got to keep, you probably got to keep those receipts and you got to keep those conversations in mind because man i'm sure there's so much condescending bullshit even even me with my perspective there were situations where that were so so toxic and insulting that i i like i'm like i will gene will remember that like in the the walking dead games it's like you have to and you have to remember because those things will come back up later and you're like you just have to bring them up and be like, yeah, we already talked about this and it was in like the conversation didn't go well or, or, you know, you told me to do this and you see now what happens. And it's like, it, yeah, it's a constant battle and people will say things to you that they don't even fully understand or they don't understand how it comes off or they don't understand how much it affects the long term. I don't know. It's, it's a whole thing. Um, yeah. Neither it's, of us can give I examples, mean, but. It's really, I mean, it's really hard because like, I mean, I, I also had like experience with the producer that wanted to like go forward with my idea and like pitch it around and stuff. But even as a, as a, at a producer level, like there were like lots of moments like you're talking about mm -hmm. that. Like I was left out of the loop. They like picked a writer without mm -hmm. talking to me about it or like, 
And then it's like, well, this is the script. Now do a storyboard. And it's like, I, this is the first time I read the script. Yeah. I, this is supposed to be my idea. And like, this doesn't reflect what I thought about the show yeah. or like, uh, well, I'll do. And then, and then, you know, there's like, I think something that's like really tough when developing shows is like always trying to be very clear with communication yes. because there were like a lot of moments when I was just like, well, if they're making all these decisions and asking me to do the boards and I was like, well, I'll do the boards and I'm out that like, you know, it's got, but then, you know, it's like, no, they actually wanted to have me in the pitch just to show that they had a woman creator. And, mm -hmm. and then I was just like, you know, and then it's like, ah, and then it's kind of getting on the same wavelength of like, and then there was like a big miscommunication. So they were like, why are you leaving the project? I'm like, I thought you just did it. What? You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like a whole, it's really tough being really like precise with uh what everyone is supposed to do and making sure everybody's on the same page and like who's taking those decisions and who's doing what and yeah it's and you know it's like also very I don't, in my experience it was just also so very easy for you know uh if you don't have someone looking out for like payments and deadlines mm -hmm. and stuff for for work to kind of bleed out of out of those like uh initial parameters i guess yeah um yeah it's 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 a tricky it's it's very tricky i think well for me i was on my own at the time yeah. were you did you have a lawyer or someone that was kind yes. of helping you out with all that stuff yes i i i had a i had a lawyer yeah um um and i would definitely ask him is this normal? It's like, oh, this is Are you normal. right. Yeah, they were always like, this is very strange. I've never seen anything like this before. Well, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. Um, yeah. The worst is when they don't know what to do with right, it. <laughs> You're like, right. shit. Yeah. And because of that experience, you know, I, I definitely was like, well, I need to, I need to be sure that I'm super protected next time around. So, so, you know, I ended up shopping around for for agents um and nice that's yeah. so nice yeah mm -hmm. um so they can they can make sure that the field is clear so i can walk gracefully through without yeah. <laughs> suffering any mishaps that's a good way of putting it because that's the thing too is like yeah. what i learned from my experience with like um like a bad like that particular experience was just like it is so invaluable to have someone on your side that you that knows the business and that you can ask yeah. the questions to yeah because it's such a like it's such a tricky business in terms of like expectations absolutely and absolutely and like clear and expect you know yeah so yeah yeah, yeah you you ideally just want to focus on the creative and make sure that you're doing the best show possible without having to get so lost and in the yeah. politics and yeah. dating us <laughs> at times how do you what yeah. did you like because you had to kind of learn a bunch of like about politics right yes. like there's no way you can just like show around and like did you read books what kind of, or who did you talk to what were the resources that you went to in order to uh um, that knowledge oh my it? goodness uh <laughs> no joke um shout out to jorge gutierrez he is my nice. Obi Wan Kenobi. Mm -hmm. Find your, <laughs> find your allies in this industry. <laughs> um, I remember I yeah. I had reached out to to Jorge, 
and Sandra and they took me out to dinner and it was just such a such an incredible feeling to find that sanctuary like oh my gosh thank you for shining the light throughout this dark cavern because I don't know (laughs) am I doing it right and I'm doing it wrong so um, that that's what helped me a lot Um, just having that that person there to to talk to that kind of stuff um I right. yeah I'm I'm forever grateful for Jorge and Sandra <laughs> for yeah. yeah yeah he's done a lot for a lot of people oh, yeah he's so super well anyway well, listen <laughs> yeah. to his episode on creative block so you are a big uh ghost yes and haunted I am. place enthusiast what kind of draws you to that world? To the otherworldly? Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm always going to my upbringing. But yes, my upbringing. Uh, but that's it. It's my yeah, upbringing. Yeah. My mom grew up in an area of Puerto Rico known as San Germán. And San Germán has this underground tunnel system um, where there's all sorts of stories that pirates used to escape through there. And then there's a bunch of ghost stories. I, my, my, I had the... My grandma's sister, she lived in this home where she would see apparitions of this ghost outside of her yard the whole time. Um, And she also had all these magazines. It was like, they were called like Enigma. That was basically like uh, Puerto Rico's Enquirer, National Enquirer, I think is what that magazine is called. With Mm -hmm. stories about UFOs and all that kind of stuff. But, But basically what I'm trying to get at it is... When I was little, that's the kind of stuff that I grew up on, like hearing all these stories about <laughs> ghosts and seeing all the stuff about UFOs and um, walking through these cobblestone streets, hearing about how this building um, has the spirit of X, Y, and Z. So I was enamored by, by, by that, by, by the other side. My little brother, too, I remember when we were really, really little, um, we, we shared a bedroom, we had a bunk bed. And um, he would wake up crying night because he said that there was this apparition of a ghost that was standing by the door watching him. And being really little, like I would hear stuff like that. I'm like, I don't want to, I I like hearing this story. I don't want to see the ghost. (laughs) I've always, uh, since then, I always cover myself with my blankets like a cocoon. (laughs) Because I get, I'm like, Again, I'm intrigued, but I don't actually want to see an, an apparition. But um, I, I just love, I just love the the stories that come with ghosts and in haunted places. Uh, I, I'm obsessed with history, so so it's it's kind of like the shadow of history, right? Um, talking about ghosts into my later adult years uh me and and my boyfriend whenever we vacation we make it a point to bring like our our ghost hunting gear <laughs> i feel like you always you're like you're always in some extremely haunted we are, location yes we are it's fine so i'm like hey yeah what do you um kind of hope to experience when you're out there oh gosh um what do i well I definitely don't want to see an apparition. Uh, yeah, because if you don't want to see it, then what are you hoping to get? A, it's a it? certain feeling. We we do bring our, our little gadgets where we we pick up, you know, like electromagnetic energy and, and all that jazz. Uh, um, okay. But sometimes I think 
the intuition can be a stronger device to <laughs> probably sounds so crazy. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to no, listen to people like, that are oh my gosh, people are going to be like, okay. um, but uh, there was one instance in, in San Diego. He, I, uh, this was before I met my boyfriend. So I went alone. Um, I have a tendency to get myself into very interesting haunting situations alone. <laughs> um, I went to this, uh, this ghost hunting event and it was this old historic house, not the Whaley house in San Diego. It was a, a different house, not too far away from, from the convention center actually. And it was past midnight. They, they leave you inside this place um, to do ghost hunting. And no joke, you know, no joke that I, I certainly saw things move that shouldn't have moved. Like everything, the windows were closed. There was no way for the wind to come through. They were old toys. There was nothing like, you know, like weren't, they weren't like hot wheels that you pulled them back and they just run on their own. So seeing things move on their own and then um, sense, like all of a sudden, if there's the smell of, of an old cigar or this fragrance of, of like old rose perfume, that kind of stuff. That's the stuff that I always prefer to, um, mm. to experience. I would like to have, well, actually I did have, <laughs> I did have a situation where I heard whispers um, uh, in, in my ear. I, <laughs> I attended a, a seance at the Chateau Mormont on a Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah um but then the the lady that we were with um who's fantastic by the way she she was telling me like you can't be afraid of seeing spirits I'm like I don't want to see spirit <laughs> and she took me to a room where there was this old uh mirror and she sat me in front of there and she was like just be calm and, and tell me what you see and I kept the entire time I kept my eyes closed I just didn't know <laughs> I didn't want to see anything I'm okay with the smell I'm okay with the sound really funny. but no no <laughs> apparitions please that's yeah. so funny I I don't know if you I don't know. I don't want to break the magic for you, mm. but if you're ever interested, I read like a really interesting book uh, called Psychic Blues Ooh. by a guy who was like a, me a medium, like a psychic. Okay. And he kind of like debunks a lot of stuff. So it's kind of like the, uh, the psychology like the behind it and all that stuff. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, it's not like extremely well written. Yeah. It's just kind of like a, I, it, it's probably, you know. Yeah. I try to go. <laughs> into all those instances uh, in a very critical fashion like oh this this is probably why that happened um right. so reading something like this I actually appreciate because then I could be even more critical like distinguishing whether it's is this for real or is my mind just playing tricks on me kind of thing right yeah 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 it's I love that stuff too I love that stuff but I'm kind of mm -hmm. like you I'm like I don't actually want to see anything. Like, <laughs> I just kind of want to, I just want to make sure that, you know, it's like fun things that happen, but they're like, there's always like an explanation. For right. right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm way too rational about things. And it's like, I, I, 
I desperately want to be proven wrong and I want to I would love to see some fucked up shit that like okay. so that I have a story and so that I can be a little more open minded. But it's like mm. I know I don't trust my own mind enough and I know that it will play tricks on me. Like I've yeah, I, you know, things will things will fool my eyes all the time. And if I was already in a, in a situation where I know that it's quote unquote haunted or whatever, then I would just project that much more. And I remember we stayed in um, uh, a hotel. Is, yeah, I guess it was a hotel in San Diego. And you might know the name, Nikki. Oh. I don't remember. But it's a it's a hotel that is known to be haunted. And um, and it's like an old house. It's like an old mansion. Um, I remember we talked about it a while. This is a long time ago. Oh, 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 oh. Is this the one that's right next to Balboa Park? I think so. Yes, yes. Because it's no longer it's no longer a bed and breakfast. I think they just ah. shut it for, for like wedding events and oh, all that okay. jazz, which is unfortunate because it felt like you were actually staying at the haunted mansion. Yeah, dude. It was like so, the coolest bed aw. and breakfast. Yeah, so yes. So yeah. I, I remember I can't remember the name, but yeah, there's a there's a used to be a bed and breakfast by Balboa Park and we stayed there uh around the time of I think Comic Con. Mm-hmm. Um and uh I knew yeah, it's got a vibe and you but you know, and it's old and creaky and there's always weird breezes from somewhere. But it's so um, cool. yeah, but like we <laughs> stayed in the we stayed in this room and I remember being so and th- this is this is more just showing how how my brain works cuz like we were I went to the bathroom and while I'm in the bathroom I saw this this light like hit the window and or something like that. Oh, I saw a figure. I saw a figure kind of pass by the window. Mm-hmm. And I was like Oh man, I was like, man, we just got here. Am I already like seeing shit? Uh-huh. And like in that in that moment, I I definitely could have accepted it and like you know whatever. But I was like, no, hold on. Uh-huh. And so I investigated and I opened because I was like, we're on the second floor. There's no way that there's somebody outside. And I opened the window and there was like a road just far enough that if a car passed by and its headlights were on, it would like have this shape come across the you know the glass. And so I was like, oh, that's probably it. But I really like I really wanted it to be something so that I could walk away with like the story and have like, you know, but I was like, oh, life is oh. It's like everything is just a light, at, you know. Have you heard but, of um, oh, gosh, it's this haunted museum. There's a haunted museum in Las Vegas, which is the one thing that the one experience that has absolutely terrified me is that museum um it's run by that oh god what's the name of that guy he's the he's the broy guy that's always like harassing the the ghosts him yes he has a he has he has a museum full of the most insane cursed objects and i i I mean i mean at the end of the day it's energy right so i i do think that there's a very strong energy attached to a lot of those objects um traumatic objects um and it's just one of those things that when you walk out it's uh, you need like i don't know you maybe you need to listen to like enya on loop or something just to purify your spirit but if you're ever looking for a good scare and for a vibe that definitely doesn't feel grounded um my recommendation would be that place because why not when in vegas (laughs) Oh my God. When in Vegas. 
check out some ghosts. Um, do you think that, uh, like, do you have projects that you want to put that kind of stuff into that kind of inspiration? Yeah, absolutely. That's actually, that's actually what I'm currently nice. cooking on. <laughs> nice. I figured, I figured. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love know how much it means that. to you. I love that. Oh, it, it means, it means the world. It's, <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, I have the wholesomeness of Santiago and then it's like really fucking dark on this other on this other show, show that I'm, I'm I'm doing oh, okay. no not cool. a junior show it's 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 big mm -hmm. Nick currently knocking on wood um that we are bathed by that beautiful green light and and this project gets to see the light of day horror kids horror is so hard to come it, it is it is so so that's that's what i'm currently awesome. doing and i'm very excited i want to share the thing the scary things that i love to the world yeah <laughs> yeah um, i love that that's um, so yeah, we yeah. got we actually addressed most of the questions that we got on twitter but um we love to ask about creative block and this question from at dork knight ryan uh, is how do you balance your work art life with your art home art life? Uh, do you feel burnt out by the time you get home and dread picking up your stylus pen? Oh man. Uh, okay. So I feel like, especially with the whole work from home situation, this uh, work art life and home art life has merged together in a sort of brundle fly oh, yeah. amalgamation. <laughs> Put a I shotgun don't... to it. <laughs> yes exactly um i i need to master the art of balancing the two if i'm being super honest um i i find it hard to to pull away from from my santi demands to to do my like because santi is so personal to me and this other project that i'm working on it's so personal to me so my my energy is absorbed in those two realms <laughs> well i mean uh how much how much uh, art do you have to do um, as showrunner of Santiago at this point? I mean, I'll do revisions here and there. Um, when it, okay. when I with with the other project that I have in development, I definitely went through through a lot in terms of I'm very because I've I've done I was a color designer. That's kind of like the thing where I'm like mm -hmm. I need to do my take on this. So. Um, anytime yeah. that things come true, come, come through where, where I have to, you know, give my notes on the color scheme, et cetera, et cetera. I, I definitely go into it and I love it so much. So I'll just play around and try different choices. Um, painting is my favorite thing. Yeah. Makes sense. You talked about it a little bit with the stuff you're working on, but what are your uh, future goals for your career? Um, I mean, Gosh, I, I, I hope I'm able to, not I hope, I, I, my goal is to continue to, to show run. Um, a big thing for me is, is being supportive. You know, I mentioned that I like to look after my crew. Um, so I'd like to uh, reach a point later on in my career where I serve as, as a mentor, um, bringing forward new voices because I, I'm, I, I'm just so grateful with this one particular executive in Nick Jr. that she was the one that I, I sat down with and she was like, well, what mattered to you? And she just gave me so much incredible guidance and allowed me to, to let go and be myself with my ideas that 
I want to make sure that I can embody that in the future and carry that torch for, for others. Um, one day when I can be like, okay, I, I did my thing show running. Now I can, I can help bring others, uh, bring others up to, to create and show run as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I guess I want to be an Obi-Wan Kenobi, much like Jorge was to me too, <laughs> for, for other. Um, yeah. No. Yeah, that's so yeah, you want to yeah. pay it forward. I get that. I, I think that's that. good. Well, is there anything you want to plug Ooh. or promote while you're on our show? Please watch Santiago of the Seas. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we're not that. we're not on a streaming platform yet. Not on Paramount Plus, which I hope that will oh, change yeah. soon. Um, there's a couple of mm-hmm. episodes that can be watched on YouTube. Um, some you can download through Amazon, um, but the the support and the views totally help. So so yeah, give give our show a watch. The um, preschool and bridge shows that can be fun too. <laughs> yeah, they can. Yeah. And go look at some ghosts. And go yes, go go forth and ghost hunt. <laughs> go f- go forth and see some spooky shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for for being our guest. Aw, thank you both so much. This was so much fun. Uh, that's the end of this creative block. Thanks to Nikki for being our guest and sharing her story. And thanks to your listeners. Follow us on Twitter. It's at Creative Block, Creative Without the Vowels, where we ask for drawing prompts and questions to ask our guests. Huge thanks to my sister Clemens for editing the podcast. If you love our show, then support us on Patreon. Becoming a patron gets you early access to interviews as well as bonus episodes. Click the link in the description of this episode. I've been your host, Gene. And I was V. Keep being creative and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.